Why don't you stand? It's good to see everyone this evening. <laughs> Those of you that have been patiently waiting online, welcome. We welcome you as a part of the service this evening. As is typically the case, the um, through a couple of different means, the Lord has um, given me what I believe is my direction for this evening, and I'm going to read one verse to you as a launch, and then um, you can... I'll let you be seated, and I'm going to read some more. See if we got this working here. I think I think I did it right. Oh, there we go. Proverbs 18 and 21: Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Living Bible says it this way, Those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. The Message Bible says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Lord, thank you for... Your goodness, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy in our lives. God, I, once again tonight, I trust you, you know exactly where we are, you know exactly what we are in the midst of, where we're heading, I pray that you would continue by your grace to lead us and guide us. Lord, this is a bit of a different evening. But I trust you've laid something on my heart for this service tonight, and I pray that you would speak clearly through me. I pray that every distraction would be removed, that our hearts, our minds, our spirits would be open to hear what it is that you would have to say to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I don't think, I don't believe the context of that verse is for you and I to just go around speaking all kind of crazy things that we want. Life is in the, I can just say, you know, God, give me a new Cadillac and I'm going to get a new Cadillac. I don't think that's at all what... The, I don't think that's at all what the wise man was talking about when he's talking about death and life. I think he's some of the things, and there's so many obviously, but some of the things he's talking about, the, the, the words parents speak to their children are death or life. Some of you tonight probably live with the scar, hopefully the scar now because it's been healed, but some of you live with the scar of your parents telling you you were stupid, you wouldn't amount to anything, and, and that's, a, that's a deep, deep blow. And then the flip side is there are some probably could testify tonight that it was 
some of the power of your parents' positive words that have motivated you to do the things you're doing, accomplish some of the things that you have accomplished. And we need to be mindful of the words that come out of our mouth. I really am undecided if this direction tonight is, is it, if it's good or bad in light of the current state of my spirit. Because I'm probably going to be a little blunter than I would be if I was a little less. I, I hope I'm not disappointing. You know, we just had this wonderful service Sunday night and you were all telling me how great I am and I'm, bust, I'm busting your bubble tonight. <laughs> Let's go to James chapter 3. I'm going to read several verses here. I want to read it from a couple translations. I'm I'm not going to try to drag this out tonight, but this is my last chance for several months to have this kind of a setting on a Thursday night, so I'm I'm not going to rush either. James 3.1 My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body." Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. How many times has thousands, hundreds if not thousands of acres of land been destroyed from a fire that started with one match, one spark, one cigarette? You, you, you don't have to have a um, wild fire to start a wildfire. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell." For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's part of the reason, part of the significance of speaking in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost. The member of your body that is the most unruly member gets tamed. Not permanently tamed. But the tongue, but the tongue, every other, 
animal birds, everything else has been tamed, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith, with the same tongue, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Message Bible says it like this. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards. There are things you can get away with that I can't get away with. You could let someone have it with your words, and you know, but let me do that as the pastor. Did you hear what pastor? Can you believe what? It's the it's the it's no surprise. It's what he's that's what this verse is saying. Some of you that are all about wanting to get a better position, you might want to step back and think about the responsibility that goes along with the position. And none of us. And none of us is perfectly qualified. I'm going to paraphrase the message Bible. I get it wrong. Nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a, large, on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of, strongest, of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Did you, did you hear that? A word out of your mouth may seem of no account. You may not put much stock into what's coming out of your mouth, but because life and death are in the power of the tongue, whether you are consciously intending for that to happen, that's what happens when you speak words. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Whether that's verbal, spoken with your mouth, or what you type with your fingers. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Turn harmony to chaos. Throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. 
You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women He made in His image. When you criticize and talk about somebody, you are talking about God. Because they're made in His image. After His likeness. No, as is the case with all of us, none of us is a perfect reflection of all the good stuff about God. But we're made in His image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth? My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? What a great, what great turmoil, what great trouble a little member can call. I would venture to say for that many of us, one of the biggest weaknesses we have, which we oftentimes tend to be kind of ignorant of, because if, you know, if I were to ask you tonight, how many of you here tonight are a gossip? I would venture to say not one single person would raise your hand and say, yeah, brother, right, I'm a gossip. Of course not. There's no gossips here tonight. There's no gossips at Antioch Central. I mean, there's none. We don't gossip. We just sit around and discuss people. We don't gossip. We just sit around and talk about people that aren't in our presence. I, I, let, me, let me just insert, you know, that part about not being anxious to be the teacher because it's one of the most challenging things I believe a man or woman of God that has to preach or teach is called to do is when you've got to preach and teach stuff that you know you are not perfect at. So I'm not here tonight implying to you that I am a perfect person. So let's just put that on the record. But I think a good rule of thumb for you and I to live by is if I wouldn't say it with them present, I probably shouldn't say it with them not here. Another one of those times I wish I had just, you know, a wonderful, lovely, fluffy something to give you tonight after the way we started. What, what, look at the trouble a small fire can cause. Some of you heard me tell this story before, and I'll try to tell it quickly, but Angie and I were away for, I think it was an anniversary trip. In fact, I think it may have been the same trip we were on where we had a couple of nights free stay. We were in the mall getting some pizza, 
And I, I don't. My dad, my dad says he drinks Diet Coke, Coke because of the taste of it. He may very well do that, but I'm just going to tell you, to get to that point, he had to kill some taste buds. I, I, I got good friends, drink diet drinks, and love, apparently love to drink them. I mean, that's one area that lets me know they are definitely still human, because how in the world you can choose... So we, we got our pizza, we ordered a Coke, we sat down, we started eating, and uh, I went to take a big gulp of the Coke and took everything I had not to spew it all out of my mouth. I felt like the Lord in Laodicea. <laughs> spew you out of my mouth. And so I think I had my wife double check it, and she concurred, and so I, being the great husband, provider, caretaker that I am for her. I heard her take the drink up to the counter <laughs> and tell the, tell the guy. And, and you know, I, I was watching because I, you know, I was ready to pounce if there was a problem. <laughs> and I could tell he was not really buying it, but he went and dumped the drink out and filled it back up. And we're good now. She saw, he got it, we're good. Did the same thing I did the first time. It's time for a drink. I go for a big gulp, and it's diet drink. So we repeated the first scenario. <laughs> and you could tell at first he was a bit agitated. And then he said, let me go check something. And he went to the back and discovered the hoses had been crossed in the back and the regular Coke had been connected to the Diet Coke, and the Diet Coke was connected to the... <laughs> I think this night needs to end soon. <laughs> because the bottom line is, whatever the source is, that's what's coming out. And if what's continually coming out of your mouth is topics that are not wholesome and good for a child of God, and if what's constantly coming out of your mouth is criticisms and talking about others, you are proving the source is not a good source. Because the Scripture says... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, I'm just going to tell you something, and I'm going to say this hopefully to help somebody here. I personally do not believe that every single time somebody says something, especially in a moment of frustration, discouragement, depression, even anger, I do not believe that every single time that's what's in their heart. Because I've seen situations where I've heard some people say some things that I was very confident that's not really who they are. Don't forget the guy that was given the keys to the kingdom. 
stood around and cursed, swore that he did not know Jesus. Is that really what was in Peter's heart? No, he had just reached such a low. He was so fed up with himself. He was so full of shame. There were some things that came out of his mouth. But as a general pattern, what is regularly coming out of your mouth is a reflection of what the hose is hooked up to. You know the people that have an issue with profanity coming out of their mouth when they bang their finger with the hammer, stub their toe? The people that have an issue with profanity coming out of their mouth is the people who are continually watching and listening to things with profanity. I'm the one that's doing the teaching tonight, but I am certain there's a bunch of other people could say the same thing. So this is not to put me up on a pedestal. I've, I, I got a, it's kind of gone away, but I, I got a spot right here where used to, you could see the perfect Im, impression of a Phillips head drill bit. Because I was trying to screw something and I missed it and the drill bit went straight into my finger and I had a Phillips head scar. I banged a few I, a couple days ago doing some yard work, you know, and you know how much effort it takes to reach down and pick a rake up when all you got to do is just put your foot on the... <laughs> Except when you're not quite as prepared and it catches your lip, which it did. You know what? I, I, again, I'm... I believe there's many of you, hear me, I believe there's many of you that could say the same thing. So I'm not here putting myself on a pedestal. I don't have to go, but watch what you say. Why? Because that's not what I eat. Change the source and you'll change the outflow. Change what the hose is hooked up to and you'll change what comes out. There's a term in Scripture. Don't, you won't find the word gossip, at least in the King James. You won't find the word gossip. But you'll find this word right here, a talebearer. A talebearer. In fact, I'm going to read them to you in a moment, but you'll find, I believe it's four times where Proverbs uses this term. A talebearer. Now, now stay with me, because if you think all I'm doing is just here tonight to challenge you about not gossiping and whatever. By the help of God, by the time we're done, you're going to have a better understanding of God's feelings and opinions about this. That this is not just some nice little philosophy we ought to live by. We shouldn't talk about each other. It's way more than that. A talebearer, according to Brown Driver and Briggs, is a slander, a slanderer, a talebearer, an informer. According to Strong's, not a term we use every day, it's a scandal monger. A scandal monger. It's somebody that's telling stuff on somebody else. Now watch this. This is, this is so amazing to me. I've seen this. I've used this before, but it's been a while. But I want you to see what the root word of talebearer, so the words I just read to you, I want you to see what the root word of that means. It is someone, or it means, to travel 
for trading. To travel for trading. I want to see my real honorary streak. So I come to you. Oops, sorry. One, two, three. I come to you, and I've got something I want to share with you. But really, I've come to trade. Because I expect when I give you some info, I'm going to get something in return for the info. So I go go to one friend, hey, did you hear? And and we don't literally usually do this, but this is how it could usually start. There's there's an animal that kind of makes a similar sound to that. It's that one that slides around on the earth. So I, 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 I travel about. I'm just, you, get, you know what? I, you know what so-and-so did? I, I saw them do I, are they? You know what they did to me? And then, and then you know, you're, you're expecting to exchange and get either more info on that same person or because I give you info about somebody, you give me info about somebody else. And so then I go traveling about, traveling about. to trade. Hey, brother, how you doing, brother? Hey, did you... Did you hear about so-and-so? Of course, usually what we are trying to trade is, I'm going to get, and and we're strategic about who we do this with. But we go thinking, I'm going to tell you what I know, but I, I know you're connected to this person, so you probably know some things that I don't know. So let me, let me, let's, I'll trade what I Let's, let, let's listen to what, listen to what the, the wise man says about this. Proverbs eleven thirteen says it. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Message Bible says it this way. A gadabout gossip can't be trusted with a secret, but someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. Let me tell you something. I don't mean this facetiously, but hand on the Bible. There are are things that people have told me in confidence that the woman that knows everything about me, the person I am connected to the most in this world, my best friend, that I have not told her. I don't care if it is your spouse. If you were entrusted with someone's confidence. You know what's happened numerous times. There are things that I have willfully chosen. Now, you know, all of us husbands, most of us husbands get labeled as being forgetful. And we all do forget from time to time. The problem is there's also times where I did not forget. I consciously chose to not share something, and then someone else has shared it with my wife, assuming, and usually, her first reaction is to get a bit irritated and annoyed with me until I tell her I intentionally did not tell you, and that's all she needs. 
Why? Because love covers. If you claim you love someone and then you go around revealing their struggles and problems to everybody, you don't love them. And God have mercy on a leader, whether you are a deacon, a congregation leader, a daughter work elder, uh, uh, some other, an, an elder and some other sort of role or responsibility, a youth worker, a Sunday school teacher, etc., etc. And you go and reveal the weaknesses and struggles and issues of those you have been entrusted to minister to? I mean, what would, how would you feel if God was sitting up on the throne and, you know, hey, hey, Gabe, come here, Gabe. Did you, can you, can you believe what Vernell Sr. did? Or, or you, you may not have seen this, Gabriel, so let me tell you about what he did. You think God does that? I've had people... I've heard of people getting upset because they were struggling with, seriously struggling with some things. And whether it was me or some other person under another pastor or whatever, they got all upset because God didn't, I can't make God speak to me. If God chooses not to tell me your business, and most of the time God tries not to tell your business to others, isn't it amazing how quickly those that enjoy traveling about to trade are highly offended when they get wind that somebody was talking about them. Oh, hallelujah. Tailbearer revealeth secrets. If you had some kind of business dealing with somebody in this church, and it went sour? You got no business talking about your brother to your friends. And if you got a problem with that, you're just showing where your loyalties and allegiances lie, and it's not to God and His Word. Well, they did me wrong, and I don't want anybody else to get hurt by them. Well, you know what? There are some ways you can do that discreetly without having to tell everybody you come across. I would never trust so-and-so. Here's what they did to me. Proverbs 18 and 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Living Bible says it this way, What dainty morsels rumor, rumors are. They are eaten with great relish. You know, another sad thing is someone shares something that they've heard as a possibility. Not, Not any proof or fact at this point that it's true, but they go share it, and then they find out later, they find out later it was absolutely wrong, But they never do an inventory in their minds to say, oh, man, I need to, who all did I tell that to? Because I need to go back and make sure I tell everybody that what I told them I thought might have happened actually didn't happen. I was wrong. Doesn't happen. 
You find out the truth and you move on, but you've damaged somebody's reputation. Message Bible. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? Proverbs 20, 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer reveal his secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Living Bible, don't tell your secrets to a gossip unless you want them broadcast to the world. And let me just let you in on a little secret. The people that are willing to sit with you and talk with you about somebody else are doing the same thing about you when they get with other people. Oh, hallelujah. This is the fun of pastoring. Mark it down, folks. Mark it down. If they'll sit and criticize others to you, they'll criticize you to others. And you get in your little group, you think you're with your best friend, and y'all start going up one side and down the other of somebody else because y'all are tight. Yeah, that tight person with you is tight with somebody else. And I promise you, I promise you, if they'll sit and criticize others to you, they'll criticize you to others. And then the fourth place we find it is in Proverbs 26 and 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. The Message Bible says it this way, When you run out of wood, the fire goes out. When the gossip ends, the quarrel dies down. A quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. We, 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 had a, uh, we were doing a campfire the other night. Man, there's nothing like a campfire on a cool, brisk evening. That's got to be one of the most relaxing things in the world. Of course, I don't know when campfires in the backyard became a thing. When I was a kid, we never thought, the only time we ever had a campfire was when we went on a camping trip. Man, we got a fire pit, and a bunch of you got a fire pit. There's just nothing like it, especially with a good bag of marshmallows. Craft jet puffed. If you ever come to my house for my campfire and you're bringing the marshmallows, don't be bringing me no store brand. And I don't want them big, gigantic ones either. I want them perfectly sized ones. And I'm just going to tell you, I can put away some marshmallows. I sit there and seriously, I sit there and think, man, I hope nobody's really watching me. Because about as soon as I can get one off the end of the stick, I got the next one on it. I mean, it's just hard to beat a good, properly toasted marshmallow. And I don't like them on fire and burnt. 
But the bottom line is when that happens, it's not really frugal just to throw it away. So you got to try again. We need, I need a little bit of levity, levity right? So y'all bear with me. Y'all see this guy right here? I have never seen anybody roast a marshmallow like him. He, he got the, he got, the, we had some guys, I think it was last fall, this dude's down on a knee and he's using like his hand to pro, and he is rotating like at this set perfect speed. Like, man, I wish I had the patience to do that because that looks really good. Hmm. Why am I on? Oh, I know. Yeah, that's right. So Nathaniel invited a couple people over, and two of them were <clears throat> the Millet girls. And I was really intimidated to try to light a fire with the Millet girls, Sister Glandon, after I heard the story about Brother Glandon and his fires that he built, <laughs> pouring lighter fluid on them and turning them into blazes. I'm like, man, Lauren and Lily are not going to think I'm a real man because I got this little, you know... <laughs> When you run out of wood, the fire goes out. When the gossip ends, the quarrel dies down. A quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you want junk like that in your belly? Not only should you not gossip, not only should you not be a talebearer, but you ought to have the discernment to know when somebody is being a gossip and a talebearer. Well, Brother Wright, I do know, but what am I supposed to do? I got a question. I know some of you live in a, in a, in a uh, you know, apartment or something like that. And so to those of us that live in a, in a house, a single dwelling, and have some degree of a yard, I got a question. If somebody pulled their motor home up in your yard and took the sewage pipe and hooked it up to the tank and started dumping their septic in your yard because they needed a place to put it, what would you do? Oh, I don't know what this, what am I going to do? No. You'd come out of that house screaming and yelling, what in the world are you doing? That doesn't belong in my yard. But you'll let people dump their verbal septic on your yard but you don't want to say anything to offend them. You may need some place to dump it, but I ain't your dump. That's why I said it sort of facetiously. If you came in after, I'm going to say it again. I have no clue who filed a complaint, and I literally, honestly, before God, do not want to know. Some of you don't feel that way. You want to know. I don't want to know. And in fact, if again, I said this already, if somehow you by chance find out who did it, I am begging you, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Respect me or not, it's a whole lot easier to work through, praying through with somebody you don't have a face to. I don't know why we're always so wanting information. If you get rid of the wood, the fire's going out. If you don't pour kerosene on it, it's not going to keep going. Now, now watch, watch. We're, we're going to transition. I want you to see this, 
I want you to see, and, and I think there's even more than what I'm going to share here this evening, the way God feels about this topic. What is it that Scripture says that homosexuality is? A what? An abomination. We believe, or not just what we believe, the Bible teaches, homosexuality. Homosexuality is an abomination. Now watch the things that God puts in the same category as homosexuality. Proverbs 6.16 These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. The same word that the Scripture uses to describe homosexuality is the same word that's being used here to tell us things that God considers to be abomination. Look at this list. A proud look. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren." When you are a talebearer, when you are spreading things about somebody else, you are sowing discord in the body, and God says it's an abomination. Message Bible. Here are six things God hates, and one more that He loathes with a passion. Eyes that are arrogant. You know what that means? Well, we got the truth. We're out, we got, yeah, hopefully we do. We're here because we believe we have the truth. But that can give us one single bit of a right to look down on somebody else because you don't have. God says that kind of a look. He hates it. A tongue that lies. Hands that murder the innocent. One of several Reasons why abortion is wrong according to the word of God. A heart that hatches evil plots. Feet that race down a wicked track. A mouth that lies under oath. And message Bible just always has a way. A troublemaker in the family. We are a family. And if you're going around spreading stuff on each other, you're a troublemaker in the family. And God hates it. It's not that just God doesn't like it. It's not that God just disapproves of it. God hates, hates, hates it.
And when you walk around, you get in your group of people that you hang with and associate with, and the topic of conversation is somebody else in the body of Christ, you are sowing discord. and proving that you need to check the source of the fountain that you're hooked up to. Amen. Amen. Oh, brother, it's just, it's just casual conversation. Just casual conversation. You ever, had, you ever found out somebody, something about somebody... And you've said or thought, man, I wish I didn't know that about them. Yeah, because once you know it, it's hard to unknow it. Once you've been told it, once you've learned it, it's really hard every time you look at them for that not to be what comes to your mind. I've said this at times, I think maybe publicly, but that's why at times we've had people whether it was when I was just leading Arnold as a daughter work or now as a congregation where people that are a part of whatever group I was leading needed counseling, some marriage counseling, and went to another elder in one of the other congregations. And you know what? That, that was a wonderful thing because I didn't know all their deep, dark secrets. I didn't know all their issues. And when I stood behind the pulpit to preach, if I said something that directly applied to them, they know it came from God. But also, I didn't have to sit there trying to get stuff out of my mind that I knew about them. You are not better with more info, folks, in the context of what I'm talking about tonight. If you, you know, it, it reminds me of what Bishop says. Don't, the only people that, you know, he says about traveling and what he, the only people that think what I do is glamorous is those who have never done it. The only people that are envious to know more information are those that have gotten more information. Because those that have gotten more information because they had to get more information wish they didn't have the information they had gotten. never forget I'd only been principal of the school I think for just a couple years and a family had gotten saved she worked in a certain profession they had kids that were I think teenagers when they got in church she came to me and said brother Wright I'd like to I'd like to work in the school and one of the biggest reasons she told me why she wanted to work in the school she said that the profession she was in was kind of a gossiping, backbiting profession. And so she wanted to come work at the church with the school and all of the church staff members because that she could get away from that environment. And I was about probably 25, 26 years old. I feel like I'm still really ignorant. The older you get, the more ignorant you knew you were. Somehow, by the grace of God, a little bit of wisdom dropped in, and I said, love to have you. You know, you'd be a great blessing. But let me just tell you something. If you think you're going to come here to work in some kind of perfect environment, ain't happening. 
because it's not perfect people working here. You know, really, that ought not to be so. I know there's things that are the norm out there. They shouldn't be a norm in here. Telling people stuff to everybody may be the norm out there. It shouldn't be in here. This is a little bit different point, but very relative, relevant, and I'm just going to throw it in there. It is not your right. We, 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 I, I believe we are, even with all of the challenges and whatever, there's, there's, there's people on a regular basis getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. A lot of them is happening in other places, not happening in a church service. I think I shared this the other day, but Sister Donya Fox is in a rehab facility in Glen Burnie, and the lady that's in her, her roommate lives in the Glen Burnie area, and so because of that, they've been watching our services. Sister Fox attends Antioch North, but they've been watching our services, and, and two Sundays ago now, I think it was, in the room of the Rehabilitation Center, Sister Fox prayed through her roommate. Our P7s and campus men, they got people getting the Holy Ghost on Zoom calls. So it's, harvest is happening. If It ain't what it's going to be. It's not the scale of what it's, but it's happening. And let me tell you something. I believe more and more people are going to get saved that have come from extremely dysfunctional backgrounds. And it's not your prerogative to tell their story. I hope and pray and trust, I believe that there's going to be people that live the homosexual lifestyle, that God's going to save them and they're going to change. And what an awesome thing it would be for them to walk in here, not sitting thinking, you know what, what everybody knows what I used to be. and I, It's under the blood. If God's willing to put it under the blood, you and I don't have the right to take it out. And if somebody wants to tell their story and make their story public, so be it. But for you or I to presume that we have the right to go tell their stuff, even if it's for it's a good reason of what God did, it's not our right. I've heard my dad say, you've heard him say it. He knows some things about people that some what some people used to be before they got saved that he's told no one, including my mother, his wife. In case you didn't know that. But we just we just think it's our job, man. We just our job to tell everybody. It's not our job. God hates, hates the one that sows when you are speaking negative words about someone else, you are sowing discord. Because oftentimes what you're trying to do is get people to stand on your side. And that is definitely discord. Watch, watch this, watch this. Last passage. I want you to look at the seriousness with which the Lord approaches this. Matthew 18 and 6. 
But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better. He's kind of talking the previous verses, kind of talking about children, but I believe there's a spiritual parallel to what he's saying here. He may be using natural, literal children, but there is a spiritual parallel to spiritual children, i.e. newborn people in the kingdom of God. Whoever offends one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. Watch this. For it must needs be that offenses come. Offenses must come. But... Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Offenses must come. It's a part of the process. And even though they must come, the person that is the conduit of the offense, woe to them. Wherefore, if thy hand or foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them into the... It's better dinner in life, man, rather than whatever. Amplified Bible. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble and sin, that is, who entices him or hinders him in right conduct or thought, it would be better, it would be better, more expedient and profitable or advantageous For him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be sunk in the depth of the sea. It it would be better off having a boulder tied around your neck and we throw you off the Severn River Bridge than to offend a newborn babe in Christ. That's how seriously God views it. The offense has got to come. But woe to the one who it comes by. Woe to the world for such temptations to sin and influences to do wrong. Woe to the world for such temptations to sin and influences to do wrong. Woe to the world for trying to get people to sin and do wrong. It is necessary that temptations come. It is necessary that temptations come. Why? Because that's what tries and proves our faith. That's what tries and proves our submission and our obedience to the Word of God. So it is necessary for the temptation to come. But woe to the person on whose account or by whom the temptation comes. Jacob, you're going to get off the hot seat at some point here soon, but tonight's not the night. Do me a favor. Put your mask on and come down here, please. He's one of the newer babes in Christ. Keep coming, keep coming. Stop. 
at some point, you probably haven't learned this yet, I'm sure. Don't you mean you've only been here, what, eight months, I think? So I'm sure you haven't learned this yet. But at some point, you're, you're going to have to learn that, well, we all look so perfect, but we're actually not. I know you don't know that yet. I know you still think that we are all like Catholic saints, not just saints, but I mean saint saints. And at some point, you're going to have to find out that there's people that stand in a service on a Sunday night with hands lifted, praising and worshiping God, that will walk out of here and go to a restaurant and talk about things they have no business. At some point, you've got to learn that. At some point, you're going to have to experience that. That's a part of the process. It has to happen. But woe to the person in this place that you are the one that's the source of the temptation. It's got to come. It must come. But woe to the one who with your frivolous comments to a person like Jacob, hungry for God, passionate about God, woe to the person whose it's your comments that sows a seed of skepticism and cynicism about the body of Christ. We're not perfect. We can't be perfect. We won't be perfect until we get to heaven. That doesn't justify you and I frivolously. You know what? I know. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stuck-in-the-mud kind of guy. There's some things about me, if you misperceive, you would, you would just write me off as being married to tradition. And I understand. I'm a little bit... You can't get me to say the word F-A-R-T. Anywhere. Not just right here. Anywhere. I'll spell it anywhere. I won't say F-A-R-T. Because when I grew up, the house I grew up in, F-A-R-T wasn't acceptable. Dad, I can't tell my friends I just tooted. I don't care what you tell your friends. (laughs) But you don't have my blessing to tell them you just F-A-R-T-E-D. I, I know. I, I know. I'm a little bit silly. I'm a little bit old-fashioned. I know. But woe be to the person that wants to help somebody like this learn. You know, it doesn't always have, You don't always have to be so serious. He's got it. You got to learn it, Jacob. And I'm pretty sure in eight months you've already seen a little bit, but... We're going to act like it has to happen. And every person like you, it has to happen. It must come. But woe be to the person by who it comes. Thank you. I promise to try to not call your name again the next time I preach. I did say what I meant, meant what I said. I promise to try to not. Woe, woe be, you are better off, you are better off to have a big old rock tied around your neck, thrown off the Severn River, than to offend 
one of these little ones. Woe be to the person that's supposed to be a mature child of God that's telling one of these little ones. Now, nah, you don't really have to. I mean, you know, I know. I know. But you, you, you don't. You don't. I mean, you, I know what. But you can. It's got to happen. It has to happen. Because God wants people to be put in a position of having to make a choice and decide. It's got to happen. But whoa. Woe to the person by whom it comes. I mean, I'll, I'll be paraphrase it. Everybody's balloon's got to get popped at some point. But woe be to the person that's holding the pen. That's the David Wright translation. It's got to happen. Part of the reason why so many young people born and raised in church backslide is because they can't learn to reconcile. I go to church with human beings. But human beings that are imperfect people does not make the word of God of none effect. And even people that are intentionally choosing to live as hypocrites do not one bit undermine the truthfulness of the Word of God. Temptation, offenses must come. But woe to the person by whom they come. Better to have a millstone hung around your neck, cast into the sea, than to offend a little one. I believe there's others that feel this way in this place tonight, a part of this congregation. I so desperately want the atmosphere of this congregation to be the kind of congregation that God fully trusts to send anyone our way. That is my utmost desire. That God would be willing to entrust us because He knows I can send this person, I can send this kind of person. And I know they're going to be okay. I know you're going to take care of them. I know you're going to nurture them. I know you're not going to be the source of the offense. I'll say this as as vaguely as I can, as vaguely as I can. It's not violating anything, but I just, I I don't want to make anything that any of you would hopefully have any reason to know anywhere near what I may be referring to. But in the last little while, we've, we've been given the privilege of welcoming some people into our midst that part of the reason they've ended up here is because of the mistreatment they have experienced at other churches for various reasons 
And thankfully, to this point, they have not experienced to the least bit here what it was they've experienced someplace else. We're not, I know we're not perfect. Don't, I know that. But I pray, I pray. I know we're streaming now and I'm on record. Hear hear it from me as the pastor. I pray if a man walks in here that we know for sure is a man and he's dressed like a female. That we treat him as kindly as we treat anybody. Do we agree with it? Absolutely not. You and I don't have a right to choose which abominations apply to us and which ones don't. Homosexuality is an abomination, but me talking about people, that's different. Well, it's not. I want us to be trustworthy. I want God to have no reservations to say I can send any person, from any walk of life, any background. And they're going to be treated with His love, His compassion, His mercy. We don't have to back down from what we believe the Word of God says to love people, folks. Endorsing lifestyles contrary to the Word of God is not the answer. Standing upon the truth of the Word of God, but with the right attitude and a right spirit, that's the answer. I challenge. I, will, I don't do this very often, but I already made up my mind I was doing this. I'm, as soon as the link's available, I'm asking every person a part of this congregation that missed tonight and didn't watch online to watch. That's how strongly I feel this is important. Because that's the atmosphere. That's the climate that I believe we should be striving for. I'm just finished up for the first round of classes and I'll be doing it again, teaching on holiness. I believe in in it with all my heart. I believe we're supposed to come out from the world and be separate. I stand on that with everything in me. But that is not the basis by which we mistreat people, mishandle people. It's not a justification at all to stand firmly on what we believe and yet still love and care for and let Jesus do His job and provide the time for Jesus to do His job without us interfering and disrupting. Father, I trust somehow that tonight I have done, shared what You have given. Not my words, not my choice of topics, but what I believe You have laid upon my heart. And I pray that You would help us from young to old. From young to old, God, you would help us to take your word to heart.
God, that we would not be someone that goes about to trade, sharing information, sharing rumors, sharing accusations and expecting to get something in return for that, but we would do what love does. We would hide. We would conceal. We would take things to you. If we're going to take them to somebody, we're going to take them to you. Help us tonight. Father, I pray tonight that you would help this congregation. Oh God, I pray that you would help Antioch Central to be a place that you can entrust us. You could send the most wounded, hurting, broken people to this body. And we would treat them with love and compassion and grace and mercy. We would not look for opportunities to tear down, but we would look for opportunities to build up. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, by your grace, I pray, God, that you would help every person in this place tonight, every person that's watching online, and every person that will watch this archive, to be willing to take an honest, sincere, truthful look at ourselves. Lord, it's easy times like this, topics like this, it's easy for us as faithful, committed, dedicated saints to just brush it off that it's for somebody else, it's not for me. But I pray, God, starting with me, Lord, let a spirit of conviction rest upon me, let it rest upon this congregation that we would take an honest, sincere look at ourselves an honest, genuine evaluation of the words that come out of our mouths as to how they match up to the principles of Your Word. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to make one more point, then I'm done. You can apply this really in... I know there's a couple of different contexts, but I want to use it in this context tonight. There's basically two kinds of relationships that we are involved in. That's horizontal and vertical. And I want to challenge you. Sometimes, I believe, sometimes people have sincerely, you've sincerely gone to a horizontal relationship to talk about someone else because you were genuinely concerned. But here's the problem. If the person you're talking to about the person you're concerned about has no more ability to do anything about it than you, you are on the border of being a tail-bearer, even if you may truly be wanting. So the safest thing to do if it's genuine concern and care, is that rather than going horizontal, you go vertical. What do I mean by that? Well, for some of you going vertical, the first stop is your deacon. For some of you going vertical would be a youth pastor or somebody else. That's what I mean by going vertical. Notice I didn't say going vertical meant you had to come to me. 
La, 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 la. So if you really are truly concerned and your motive is right, the safest thing to do is to go to someone that you trust has responsibility and authority to some level or other to help. Praise God. What a night. What a night. Be good by me if we never repeat a night like this again. Pray my strength in the Lord. Praise God. God bless you.